So, when God moved on me, and I recognized his amazing power, as I said, you can have faith, but you may not believe. Faith is a noun. Believing is a verb. And the only way that you know you have faith is when it works. And the only way you know that it works is because you believe. And so Jesus says that in Mark eleven twenty three that if you have the faith of God and believe, not just have the faith of God, there has to be a believing, and a believing is action. You know how many active thoughts run through you per day? No, no, no. Those are thoughts. Active thoughts. That means thoughts that have actions. 400 million. 40 per second. So how many of those active thoughts are believing thoughts? And so what I told the Lord when I began to move as a believer rather than just having faith. I said to them, I said to the Lord, if your word is what it says, and if your word is saying to me that you have called me, oh, don't try this, right? Only stupids and idiots like me do it. <laughs> you remember last week I told you that I couldn't speak English, I couldn't write. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, right? When my wife showed me a letter, I thought it was my little niece. And then she showed me the date. And it was from me to my mother. And I couldn't spell leg. I was 15 years. I couldn't spell leg. That's how bad I was. Now that was the first miracle that he performed. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was the first miracle because from the word came the believing. And I said to him, if your word is true and your word transforms desert and if your word is that at the entrance of your word gives light making wise the simple and I took a dead stick, a dead stick. And you can call it like a, have you seen a foot ruler? Something like that. A dead stick. And I said, I'm going to plant this. And I wanted to give forth leaves. And if this happens, can you hear the, the word if? If this happens... I will never ever more in my life question your word or you, no matter what happens. And so to help him out, I began to water. <laughs> like Abraham, to help God keep his promise, 
You know what he did, right? He also watered. <laughs> and so I began to water. And every day I would go faithfully and I would water this. And one day, maybe a week to ten days, the, following, the, the night previous to the day this happened, when I went, there were no leaves. The next morning, I got up and I went to water. There were fresh leaves on this stick. Fresh. So I thought, well, wonderful. The water and all of that. So I took the stick out. I call it a stick because it was a dead stick. It had no life. And when I took the dead stick out, there were no roots. There were no roots. And yet, it produced fresh leaves. That's why this song to me is a theme song. I live by your word. Because I'm like a tree. I'm by a stream. And ever since that time, I have seen such amazing miracles, powerful works of God. To me then it was a miracle, but now it's something that's a lifestyle. Amen. I've seen feet just come together, being split in two and ready to be operated because gangrene had set in. I've seen the dead rise. I have seen a number of, I've seen a, a vegetable they call, if you recover from a diabetic coma, your brain cells are so badly damaged that you just end up a vegetable. And I have seen people rise up and today, so I have seen, a lot of people have asked me, why don't I speak of these things? Even recently things happen. I don't speak about them because to me personally, it's a lifestyle. It's not nothing to be surprised. My aim is not to see the dead raised, which, which I believe, or cancers leave. My request to God is, help me through the power of your word, walk through walls. Not to walk on water, but to translate from one place to another. Amen. And one of this, the translation has taken place where I have seen myself taken from one place to another in the spirit as well in the physical. But you see, what I'm trying to say is that when you speak a word, it will not return to you void. 
it will accomplish the purpose for which it has gone forth. Because this word is simply not a word, like a book. They're not letters. It's life. And it has the power to transform people. To transform people in such a way that they themselves will be shocked. And so this word I recommend to you is not just an ordinary book of scripture. It is the very word of life. This book or this word is a person. A person who speaks. A person who feels, who thinks. And so today I'm going to as quick as I can, just give you a few more insights into the way of the spirit. Because this book, this word is spirit. If it's not spirit and if it's life, it's just some papers within two covers. It has no power apart from you voicing it. But if you voice it, then it has the power to rewrite your mind. To rewrite your thinking. It has the power to rewrite every thought that is negative. Because right now, you're listening to me, and there is a transaction between your thinking and my thinking. And you're, you're wondering, most of you may be wondering, what's he going to teach on? What's he going to say? Some of you must be, who know me, must be saying, definitely he's going to burst bubbles. <laughs> and so on and so forth. But there is a dialogue that is going on between your soul and my soul. Are you with me? So once again, I want to give you the, the three-dimensional path that you are. You're an integrated personality that has a spirit, soul, and a body. And every part of this has three parts. For those who were not here last time, just to recap it, your spirit is made up of intuition, conscience, and worship. Intuition is that gut feeling that you have. Intuition is that uh, guidance, the inner guidance, the inner pilot that speaks to you outside of acquired or learned knowledge. I hope you understood that. That means you have not learned it, you have not studied it, you have not heard of it. There has been no external guidance. Thank you. Oh, praise God. There has been no guidance prior 
to the knowledge you receive. That's intuition. It's called gut feeling. It's, it, you, you feel it, you know it. That's intuition. Then the conscience or the, you know, that is the faculty that enables you to know good from evil. A lot of people would even say right from wrong. I personally feel that it's good from evil. Right from wrong is relative, in my understanding. And relative because what is right to you may be wrong to me. But good and evil you can't change. It is either good or it's evil. And it's not good or bad, it's good or evil. So if it's not good, it is evil. It's very simple. And that's what God said from the very beginning. You touch, you eat of this, right? That's, you will die. Why? Because God knew it was a tree of knowledge that gives you good and evil. Now, was God keeping good and evil away from man? No. He wanted man to learn good and evil from him. But man was in a hurry. And he responded to a choice. He responded to a thought. And that thought began even before he was tempted. You must remember that. The thought is the one that leads to the temptation. The devil doesn't tempt you. He has no power to tempt you. But he can use your thought. You read James 1 from verse 14 to 15 and all of that you would see. And a man is tempted when he is enticed by his own thoughts. And then the devil, or whatever you like to call it, a beast, is certainly not a fallen angel from my point of view. But this beast, or this it, is not even stronger than an ant. An ant doesn't need your permission to bite you. The devil needs your permission to entice you. Are you with me? And now that he's disarmed, now he's absolutely, he's disarmed. You know what disarmed means? He has no arms. And he's been defeated. That means he has no feet. So how is he going to move? That's why he creeps on his belly. But anyway, so it teaches you, your conscience teaches you good from evil, right? And that is acquired, that is learned, and you learn that good from evil from the word of God. And even through experience, because that's wisdom. And the third part is worship. The third part of the spirit is worship. Now, worship is intimacy. It's, a, it's not just singing. It's a fellowship with God. And when you worship God, there has to be an activation from that worship. If you see, anytime there was worship, there was a commission. Every time people worship God, something happened. I'm not talking of a nice feeling. And the oozy goozy bumps. I'm talking 
of a word that they heard from God where they got commissioned. Are you with me? Why? Because it, it brings you an intimacy with God. You know what intimacy is? That's why you have not been given the spirit of bondage to fear again, but the spirit that cries, Abba, Father. Because that's intimacy. Now I've got three little cute grandchildren. A small guy is something else. He will see me. I'm in the mall, in the shopping mall. He would see me. I wouldn't even see him. He would see me and he would run, Papa, 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 and jump on me. Some people fear me. He does not understand fear. Some people think that they need to honor me. Doesn't matter. He's my papa. I'll shout, I'll scream, I'll run, and I'll jump on him, I'll embarrass him. Are you with me? That's the intimacy he has with me. That cannot be taught. That cannot be learned. That is an innate quality of relationship. Are you with me? Are you sure? You can't develop this. It is there. You don't teach a fish to swim. When it's in, in its environment, it'll just move. Hello. Now that's worship. That's the way we communicate with God in our spirit. Now the soul, suke, the mind, is a different faculty in our personality. And the body also, it has the mesodem or mesodones or mesodones or whatever, right? And the exodones or exosomes or whatever you call that. Where's the English teacher today? Okay. So there also there are three. And then you get this, the soul, the mind. It is the thinking faculty, it is the emotions, and it is the choosing faculty. Those are three. And this soul is a gatekeeper. It is the communicator between the spirit and the body. Now, it can either transmit a message from the spirit or it can block. That's how powerful it is. So much so that today's neuroscientists, including non-believers, are saying that it is second only to God. Now, last time I gave you a few names that, and I hope you brought the two books. Okay, that's from Caroline Leaf. But there are some other names that you should go into. I gave you Daniel Siegel. And there is a guy called Joe Disperson. I'll spell it to you because he's got a Z at the end of his, right? Okay? Disperser. They're good. They're great. 
Mark Walden is another guy. These are awesome people that you can learn from. They're not Christians, some of them. But they teach us about this mind. And if you have, if you have the control of this mind, then beloved, now let me tell you this, you already have the mind of Christ. You already have the mind of Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he said, have this mind which was in Christ. But then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16, he says, we have the mind of Christ. So what is this mind? It's the thinking, it's the feeling, it's the choice. And if you have the mind of Christ, then you think, you feel, you choose as God does. And so Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, imitate God. It's not a matter of trying to become like God. And that's what Adam and Eve tried to do. They tried to become like God, though they were in the image of God. And that's where they made the mistake. It's not trying to be like, it is knowing you are. It is not trying to see that this mind, it is allowing the mind to manifest the thoughts of God, the feelings of God, the choices of God. Amen. And if you read, as I told you last week about John, from John, even in the other Gospels, you would see how Jesus chose, how Jesus felt. In John chapter 4, he is, it says there that he thought it necessary to pass through Samaria. He thought it necessary to pass through Samaria. And at Samaria, he met this woman. And you can see the mind of Christ there. Are you with me? The mind of Christ is now firing with her mind. And is rewriting her script. She was a Samaritan. Pretty good in her theology. And by the way, she was not a bad woman. She was not an adulteress. She was simply a woman who had five husbands. Do you got it? And perhaps she had five husbands because one brother died and she married another and another brother died and she married another. We don't know. So when the scriptures are silent, don't try to add to it. Are you with me? And Jesus didn't say, ex-husband, go call your ex-husband. Did he? That is the way the system of the world operates. Your ex-wife, your ex-husband, your ex-girl. Yeah, it's all ex. You know what ex means, no? Anonymous. No, I'm not joking. Expired. Now, if your husband's dead, yes, then he's expired. But if he's alive, please don't kill him. <laughs> he's your husband because you're married before God. And before God, that marriage, no matter what you and I say or the world says, is a marriage. Your husband and wife. So he says, 
The one you have now. Isn't that amazing? The one you have now is not your own. Go call your husband. He never says go call your boyfriend. Go call your partner. Hello. Go call your husband. Are you, are you understanding this? Because the mind of Christ thinks different than the way people think. And so as he began to wire with this woman's thinking, he began to fire. And he fired in different forms. Even the culture. He rose above the culture. Are you with me? He rose above the culture because that's his mind. That's the way he thinks. He thought it necessary to pass through Samaria. Why? Because he already knew what was going to happen. Because God knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah 45 verse 10 is very clear. God knows the end from the beginning. And if you have the mind of Christ, one of the things is you know your end from the beginning. And that's what keeps me secure when I'm going through problems, difficulties. I know the end. I look to the end because I know the end. Why do I know the end? Because I have the mind of Christ. If I don't have the mind of Christ, then I don't know the end. But if I know the mind of Christ, then I know the end from the beginning. You know where you are going. And if you read John 13, he said, Jesus knowing that he had come from the Father, Jesus knowing that he was going back, and Jesus knowing that he had authority, it was in that knowing that he washes their feet. Hello? That's the mind of Christ. And I can go through the whole Bible showing you the mind of Christ in every chapter. But somehow the mind of Christ overcame the mind of culture. Overcame the mind of philosophy. Overcame the mind of religion. In this scenario. Our fathers drank of this water. He said the water you drink of when you drink of me you will never thirst. And we are still drinking from other wells. Are you with me? And finally, now watch this, right? She goes, she calls, she said, come see the one who has told me everything about myself. And they come. But then when they are coming, the disciples who had gone to bring him food, are you listening? Yes. You sure? Yes. You're okay? Yes. Well, you've been a long time here. The disciples, they are, they, are, they are shocked that he doesn't want food anymore. Why doesn't he want food? He said, I have food that you know nothing of. Because his food is different to our food. He derives his food from his father, from his source. Which is divine. My food is to do the will of my father. Now what is will? I told you what will is. The mind. The will makes a choice. 
I know my father's mind. And when I'm participating in the mind of my father, I don't need physical food. I don't starve. I don't fast. But it's just natural. I don't eat, that's all. Food is for the stomach. So if I need, if, if my stomach's hungry, today people eat when their stomach's not even hungry. They just eat and eat and eat. Well, more than three. No bad to Singaporeans, but Singaporeans eat about seven meals a day. But that's, that's their lifestyle, <laughs> so God bless them. But what I'm trying to say is that the mind, why is it? Because beloved, the soul, the mind, is like a tree. It has got branches on it. If you read the people that are, or, or study the people that I shared with, if you read their works, you would, and if they take you into the brain, you would see that the brain, by the way, the brain is not the mind. And the brain cannot control the mind. The mind controls the brain. But today, the brain has become God. And so we give such a prominence to the brain. When the brain can be controlled by the mind. And today, they call it neuroplasticity. As I told you last week, plasticity means creative change. Neuro means mind. Neos. That means you have the power, creative power, to change your thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. And I can go on and on and on about the mind. Have this mind, which was in Christ. You have the mind of Christ. What is not happening is that it's not manifesting. And why is it not manifesting? Because you have made a choice to be governed by negativity. What scientists call toxic thinking. And I will show you today that you can change and you can virtually kill and destroy and curse the toxic thinking. And rebuild and cause your mind to now operate as if Christ is in operation. Are you with me? That's why we've been all, all power and authority has been given unto me. Now I'm giving it to you. See, the devil doesn't have power and authority. The angels don't have power and authority. You have it. You have the power to change your way of thinking by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. Why? Because God himself has not given to you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. This is just one. The spirit of fear. A lot of parents today, and I hope I'm speaking to parents, they bring up their children with the power of fear. 
rather than love. They fear. And so they get, get their children not to do this and that. Are you with me? Hello. They fear that their children are doing something in the room so they keep the door open. Now I am an open door policy father. My children never closed their doors when they were small. I never allowed them to do it. Not because I was afraid that they were up to something. Because I wanted to teach them what openness and transparency is all about. Hello. So I taught them to keep their doors open because if, you, if I walk in any time, I need access. My father in heaven needs access to my heart. He needs to know. Ephesians chapter 3 says that let Christ dwell in your heart. Why? Because we're not loving him. He's saying, behold, I'm at the door and I'm knocking. The gate. The gate. The mind. A certain part of my mind is preventing Jesus from coming and being the Lord of my life. We want the benefits of the Lordship, but we don't want to surrender our lives to his Lordship. Are you with me? We want the blessings. So I say to my children, I, I was saying to my children all the time, no, keep the door open. Not that you're I want to show you why I'm doing this. Because I want to, you to know that you have nothing to hide from us. Yeah. Do you? And today you walk into homes, you see doors closed. And you have to knock. And then they say, why are you bothering me? That's, that's how children are growing up. And then when suddenly they, they put the computer off. Hello, parents. No closed doors. That's my suggestion. You want, that's up to you. But a closed door reflects hiding. And when my mind is open, then I'm transparent. I'm open. I'm transparent. Everybody, my heart is in my sleeve. What you see is what you get. I can assure you that. And what I teach is what I've experienced. I don't teach from a doctrine. I teach from an experience of a revelation. And the word of God confirms it. So now when this mind is in operation. Okay. You would see a number of things happen. You would see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All operating. You don't have to develop it. It is there. Because the love of God. Romans 5.5. 5, is shed abroad in your heart. You don't have to pray for love. It is already there. All you have to do. Is to allow it to manifest. You have to allow it. And so you open it. And you let it come out. Do you know what Nehemiah did. The very first time. When he went. You know what Nehemiah did? I'm trying to show you how important it is about the mind. Uh, I have no time to go on any further, but I'll, I'll give you some thoughts how to activate it. But do you know what Nehemiah did? 
You know why Nehemiah cried in chapter 1? Do you know why he cried? He cried because he heard. What did he hear? That the walls of Jerusalem were burnt down and destroyed. Now in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 32 it says that take care of anger, number one. Number two, that it is easier to win a city than control the mind. It is easier to win a city than to control the mind. When Jeremiah went into Jerusalem, the first thing that he did was build the walls. And every wall had a gate. What does the gate represent? The gate represents the in and out, the going in and out. In our heart, there are chambers. And Jesus needs to go in and out as he wants. He needs to go in and out as he wants. And one of the most, one of the most dangerous gate that we can create, which has destroyed the neuron pathways and have caused death in these tree of life inside us, is fear and unforgiveness. Fear and unforgiveness. So now watch. On this side is fear. What does perfect love do? Cast out all fear. Now where is that love? In our hearts. Where is that love? I'm not talking about natural carnal love. I'm talking of the love of God which is supernatural. It is not even unconditional. It is supernatural. Without that love, you cannot love. You can only love because he first loved you. And unless that love comes in. And so Nehemiah starts building the gates. Why? Because that whole teaching in the book of Nehemiah is about the spirit, soul, and body. The temple, by the way, contrary to conventional teaching, the temple is not the church. The temple is the presence. That's the spirit, the holy of holies. That's your spirit. Are you with me? So then what's the soul? The soul are those gates that he was building. The sheep gate. The refuge gate. The worker's gate and all the other gates. Why? Because this soul, this mind is a gatekeeper. And that's why John chapter, what is it? Second John, second John verse or third John verse, three say, verse 2 says, I wish above all that you prosper and be in good health. Even as your, even as your, not your spirit. Even as you, we are so involved in building the spirit. The spirit doesn't need building, beloved. 
The spirit does not need developing. The spirit is spirit. All it needs to do is to be given authority and power by you. And then it will dictate to the mind. But the mind doesn't want to do it. The soul doesn't want to do it. Why? Because of fear. Because of fear. But God has not given to you the spirit of, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But Pastor John was talking about having authority. Oh, we are looking for God to manifest. He's looking for us to manifest. <laughs> Can you see the way he's thinking and the way we are thinking? And we are Christians. God, please do this. God, please do that. God, please. And we call that humility. Beloved, humility is one of the gates that we enter in. That's true. There's no doubt about that. But humility is not. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Humility is simply knowing your place. And if you know your place, it is coming under rank. That's what it means. If you know your place, woman, if you know your place, man, if you know your place. Have you, have you seen children use mother and father against each other? They come to the father and they, they come to the mother and they say, and the mother says no. And they quietly go around and spin around the finger of the father and the father says, okay. They both don't know their place. The mother should be saying to the son or the child, go ask your father and come back and tell me. Are you with me? There's a parent class also. But because we don't know our rank. The, the husband is... Walking under the authority of the wife. <laughs> Is that the mind of Christ? Now they both need to walk together. That's why God took out of the rib, not from the toe. No, I, I, I am not joking, right? My father was Sri Lanka's topmost dancer. He was the first international ballroom dancing teacher. He taught me one thing, how to dance. He called dance, he said, dance is not an art. It's an act. And so he said, son, when you're dancing, always see that your side is linked to the side of your partner. It is because from the side you lead. And if you don't lead from the side, you trample each other's toes. Yeah? Ah. That's when the toy starts playing. So the woman wants the control. Well, she had it at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, right? 
and you know what happened. <laughs> By the way, Adam was there when she gave permission, yeah? Adam was there. He was with the woman. The worst thing was his silence. And the man plays silent. Why? He doesn't want to play toy-toy with his wife. Because if he does that, he is going to trip on her toes. Your laughter is good, man. Laughter creates good neuron pathways. It brings back the green into your thinking. And it destroys that dead stick. Are you with me? Are you understanding? Okay. So that's the mind. That's how the mind operates. You've got a sound mind. You've got a mind of love. He's given it to you. It is there. You don't have to ask for it. He's not given to you the spirit of fear. Hey, you read these scientists that I spoke to you about, neuron scientists and many others. Even the unbelieving neuron sci neuroscientists say this, that we have been designed to love. We have been designed to love. We have been wired to love. Fear is what we have learned. Love is what we have inherited. Hello. Are you with me? So fear. Now you make a choice today. By faith. You know what the difference between believing and doubt? If a man believes in his heart and does not, doubt. You know what believing? Doubt is not the absence of believing or faith. Doubt is the opposing, equally opposing power and force of faith. Doubt is not the absence of believing or faith. It's the equivalent power of faith. I'm going to show you something, right? Will you rise up, sir? And bring that chair there. Right, okay. Turn it around this way. Right. No, 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 that way. Right. Now, will you just push it and go? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's difficult. Yeah, that's okay, that's okay. Struggle, struggle and go. <laughs> right, fine. Now, why was he able to do it? Because he heard my word and he knew he can do it, so he did it. That's faith, that's believing. Faith is when I gave him the word, believing is when he began to do it. And take it back again. Now, watch this, hold it. Now, will you come, sir? Stand in front of him. Okay? Now, right? Now, push that. Push that. Now, can he do it? Because there's an opposing force. Now, what is that opposing force? That opposing force is another opinion as compared to my word. Did you get that? So God has given us a word. Anything that is contrary to this is the opposing word. 
and it is nothing to do because it is the same as faith. You choose to believe that word and not this. Got it? You believe in that word that says your body is sick. You believe in that word that the doctors say you are sick. You have a tumor. You have a cancer. How many of you have some kind of uh, wrist problem? Carpal tunnel? Have you got that? Anyone got carpal tunnel? Wrist? Yes or no? Hands up. You've got that? Okay, we'll pray for you. Okay. But you've got a wrist issue. It hurts. Okay. Right. So, if I tell her now, by his stripes you're healed, and if I tell her that right now you're being healed and you are healed, everything in her mind will get triggered. But I got the pain. So, what does she choose to believe? They are both believing. And when I choose to believe, I choose because my mind is made up of emotion, thinking, and will. The will makes a choice immaterial of what I feel. The will makes a choice to believe what the Spirit heard that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. So make a choice today. Everyone who was declared healed today. Yeah? Certain things were called out. Arthritis was called out. How many of you have arthritic limbs? Good. I'm glad you didn't respond. Oh, one. Okay. Now, if you were healed. Now, nothing to do with you, ma'am. Not to embarrass you. But if you're healed, then you believe you're healed. God just didn't give Pastor John a word. He gave a word because he loves you. Because John's mind is wired with God, it fires. Minds that are wired with each other, fire with each other. Here's a saying from a man called Daniel Siegel, whom I greatly respect. Man, minds that are wired together, fire together. That's what you call collective consciousness. That's what Jesus said, if two shall agree. And when I agree, with Pastor John. Then there's a third party that agrees. Because the third party has already declared the healing. And the Holy Spirit that I believe. Who will transform this mind and thinking. Will not lie to me. He will only tell me what is truth. And what does the truth do? Sets me free. Now, why does the truth set me free? Because if the Son of Man has set me free, then I am free indeed. 
I need the Holy Spirit to tell me, son, you're free indeed. You're free. That is truth. Now it doesn't matter whether I can't walk or not. How's your ankle? Who's the other gentleman who had some problem with the arm? Last week. He started playing basketball. Oh, praise God. If I tell you something, beloved, I'm not telling you because I like it. Sometimes I honestly don't like it because I myself will wonder, is it going to come through? And then the Holy Spirit has to say, it's not about you. It's not about your word. It's my word. You're just a vehicle of heaven. Now release it. That's why I don't pray for sicknesses. God never asked us to pray for sickness, to leave. He gave us authority to cast it out, to command it out. Are you understanding? So now how am I going to get this? Well, very simple. Will you go to Psalm 45 verse 1? It's a very simple process. Last time I gave you a little more. The word of God, the word of God, the word of God. Psalm 45 verse 1. What does it say? What is the pen of a ready writer? The what is the pen of the ready writer? The, my tongue. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And I can rewrite in my thinking God's word. And when I rewrite in my thinking God's word, my mind now becomes to effectively function as God's word says it. But I've got to rewrite it. How do I rewrite it? With my tongue. I've got to voice it out. I can't just read it. Now, when I read, how does faith come by? How does hearing come? By speaking. Unless you've got some kind of intuitive relationship with me and I come to you and I look at you. <laughs> wiring, firing. <laughs> but when I speak, when Pastor John spoke, and this is why I don't understand, when the word of God is preached, there is no high fi and yeah man, ho, he, ho. But when teams are called on the stage, Yahoo! And Kaboom! I, I, I didn't understand. I honestly didn't understand the royal jewel. No, I understood the royal jewel, but I didn't understand him trying to make a royal jewel. And I said that because I want you to come to a place that your tongue and what you believe synchronize. The way you rewrite the word of God in your heart is through synchronicity. When there is a tongue-heart coordination. 
Because I can say a lot of things because in my heart doesn't believe it's of no value. Then you know what that is? It's a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who acts. Hypocrino. Someone who acts. And Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites. Because they didn't even believe what they had. Are you with me? So when I confess by his stripes I am healed and I don't believe that, it may be the word, but if I don't believe it, nothing, 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 nothing will happen. But if I believe the word, then I'm rewriting in my thinking and the leaves are beginning to shine, beginning to grow. And the dead leaves are going. So fear is leaving me. Why am, I, why, not, why am I not believing that I can walk? Because I'm afraid I'll fall. Are you with me? The moment fear gets you, it's destroyed you. It will kill that neuron pathway. It will deaden the green leaf. And that's why Jesus says something else. You got to be entwined. And he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. Notice, not just abide in me. That is faith. When I received Jesus Christ into my life, that was faith. That was the commencement of faith. But now I've got to abide in his word. Abide in his word means to dwell securely. I have to be secure in his word. And my life must represent that security. So have you got peace, brother? I've got peace, I've got peace. I've got peace, I've got peace. Now, Lord Jesus, give me peace, give me peace. What has overtaken him? Why is he speaking something else? Why is he trying to prove to himself that he's got peace? So I want to give you an activity. Get back home. Throw yourself into an alpha state. You know what an alpha state is? The best time to do it is when you're about to sleep. <laughs> I learn a lot when I'm about to sleep. There are two places. Now, others may say they learn through fasting and praying and all of that. Fantastic. Praise God. I have two positions that I take to allow God to guide me. One is when I'm about to sleep and enter into the alpha state. And the other is when I'm having a bath. Are you with me? And so go into the alpha state and I want you to see something. I want you to think that you have gone right deep down in a seabed. And you're resting there now on that seabed. I do it so you can do it. If I can, you can. You have the same spirit that I have. So sleep. See yourself in that seabed. And then in your visual aid, look up and you'll see the surface of the water. 
Now listen to me very carefully. This is an activation. When you see the surface of the water, it can be bubbling. It can be turbulent. It can be wavy and bumpy. But hey, listen, where are you? Are you there? No, you're on the seabed in a place of peace and calmness. And out of that rest, you command that to stop. Now that comes through meditation. That doesn't come through. Some of us pray in tongues when we are afraid also. Or when we are driving in the car and somebody's trying to cut across. Now I'm not joking. Or when we are going up a hill and the car's not going. What you need is not tongues. What you need is acceleration. Hello. Are you okay? Can I go on for a little while more? Just a little while. I wish my brother told me that. Right, so down at that seabed of rest, that is why he says, labor to enter into his rest. Why? And what is the meaning of labor? The word labor is not struggle. The word labor is simply to believe. Come to me, Jesus said. Not Go take a tablet. Go take some Valium. Go get your hormones fixed. <laughs> Go get a shot. Go take a drink. Take a... By the way, God didn't create your noses for smoke to come out of it. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you here. Concentrate, okay? <laughs> if he wanted to, to send smoke out of your body, he would have created a chimney somewhere. <laughs> that smoke was for you to take in breath. And you take in breath, you don't release it through your nose, you release it through your mouth. Here you're doing the other way. You're taking it in through your mouth and releasing it through your nose. I don't understand this. I used to, <laughs> many, many years ago, Hello. No offense to anyone who's smoking. I just want to help you understand how to get rid of it. <laughs> By the way, if you're a Christian and you're smoking, you won't go to hell. You're only destroying yourself and you'll die earlier than normal. <laughs> And then after you die, you still won't go to hell. Because you burnt here before you burnt there. <laughs> you burnt here, so you need the water of life there. And that's how gracious God is. Are you okay? Am I okay, sir? So come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. I won't medicate you. 
I won't even dedicate you. I will rejuvenate you. I will restore you. What the canker worm has eaten, I will restore. And that is even for your finances. If your pocket has holes, in other words, you get it from here and it goes from there. Yeah? He says, come to me. I won't sew your pockets, but I'll give you rest. Hello. So I've given you two activations. One is to come to Jesus. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. What does the word renew mean? It means to make totally, completely new. And the word wait is to be entwined in Hebrew. Those who are entwined with me will renew their strength. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Why? Because you're in a person, not in a program. So the way of the spirit is if you walk in the spirit, Galatians 5.16, if you walk in the spirit, then you will not fulfill the flesh. All you have to do is walk in the spirit. And I gave this at the very beginning where I say he's made the pathway. Now you've got to walk in it. Walk in what he has already given you. Walk in it. Walk in it. And see what happens. And the final activation is from the word of God. And I'm reading it from the Passion Bible. So what has God given you? Come on. God has not given to you what? Fear. Have you got it? Have you got fear? Now I know you're saying it because. <laughs> so I, uh, I want your tongue and your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There has to be a synchronicity. There has to be a coordination. And that's why Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life, the boundaries of life, the trees of life. So watch this now. Are you ready? We're going to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read from verse 17. I'm reading it from the Passion. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like unbelievers around you. Now please remember a concentric, you know what a concentric circle is? Okay, right? Now listen to this. The first, the first circle is the cultural scape that you were in before you escaped. You're in a cultural scape that is governed by the world. Then came an awaken, awakening. That's the second concentrative circle. Awakening. That's when you heard the word of God and you awakened to it. He raised you up. Ephesians chapter 2. That's called born from above. You then come to the third concentric 
circle. And that's called the renewing. Where he's renewing your thinking through the word of God. And you come to the final circle. And that is when you begin to live out a lifestyle that is not what you were. You live out a lifestyle. So it says, not as unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupt logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to the lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of the life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go or put off the lifestyle of the ancient man, <laughs> that, the old self-life which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires and spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that has been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has created you over all again in his perfect righteousness. You are not being perfect. Only 2% of you, beloved. Today they are saying that 98% of, of man is perfect. Only 2%. And in Christ, you are 100% perfect. For he has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And by the way, it's 98% of your thinking that creates the stress and the cancers. That's what they're saying today. Sickness is not from God. Sickness is not even from the devil. Sickness is because you and I give it place in our lives. So rewrite the script. He doesn't need to grow or create any more trees. He's given us seeds to plant. Are you with me? No more creating. He's given us seeds. And this is the glorious seed of God. And we need to put this in. And we need to allow it to blossom and bring forth the leaves. Which are healing. Not just to you. But for the nations. Father I thank you. I thank you that you have given us this incredible creativity. I thank you for the mind of Christ that you so have implanted. You have implanted your word. Father, it's not just a seed. It is an implantation of your word as in James chapter 121. The implantation and I pray that each one of us would have this amazing authority to say no. To the superfluity of naughtiness. And allow the implanted word to save our souls. And let everyone here be anointed for that.
for you have not given to them the spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind god bless you and may you live in the fullness of god